0: Hello and welcome to the Monday show here on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Muscove, joined... By usual by our Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes. We're going to look back on a crushing defeat to Arsenal. Preview the game with Blackburn in the FA Cup. Talk about Newcastle women's making it to the to the League Cup final. Eddie Howe's public hope that Joe Linton signs a new deal and just how important that is to United's future. We're coming to you live on YouTube. Please give the video a thumbs up and across our podcast channels. Thanks as always for joining us. Let's get on with the show. Aaron, hello, good weekend. Uh,
1: well, a good weekend until about one minute past eight on Saturday night, and then it took a turn for the worst. Um, wanted to come on here and have a lovely, positive Monday afternoon chat, and I've got a sneaky feeling that um it might not be as positive as we as we hoped.
0: No, I think we all expected uh, that defeat. It was probably the manner that stings a little bit more. I had a lovely weekend. I planted some snowdrops at Wallington National Trust. Handed me a shovel. And you go, what, what's funny? Just uh, You're just such a dad, honestly. Sin- when, when you get to a certain age, you realise that a National Trust membership is one of the best things you can buy. When you nearly hit 40, is that what you I'm, I'm not that old. I think I was 25, 26 when I signed up. Don't knock it, but yeah, a lovely weekend. The only thing that did sour it was uh, Newcastle United Men's, because they did pretty awful, let's be honest, but Newcastle United Women's, they had a very good weekend, and that's where we're going to start. We're going to start the show on a real, positive because that's right Newcastle United women's are into a cup final they beat Portsmouth 2-1 at St James Park thanks to a late goal from Georgia Gibson, and 23,000 people filled in to see the lasses in what was Becky Langley's 100th game in charge, what a fantastic achievement flying high in the league Two, set for promotion and now the chance to lift the league Cup. they'll face hashtag United which is quite the name mm. hashtag United but that's who they'll face in the final that'll take place at Kilnworth Road in March a super achievement and one quite rightly that everyone uh, at the club are proud of and everyone on Tyneside, everyone that's just linked to Newcastle United should be so proud of the lasses getting to the final and hopefully Going that one step further than the men's team did last year, and they can win it absolutely.
1: I really wish that everyone that's listening and watching this podcast could have heard your reaction today when you saw that they were playing hashtag United in the final. It was a, as I say, a real dad. Who on earth are they? Hashtag United
0: hashtag United just yeah.
1: doesn't seem real. Um, but yeah, look on, on a serious note, fantastic um, achievement by the women, very, very you know, positive to see so many again at St James's Park. I know they didn't obviously hit that uh, target of getting 100,000 in across the four games, but still, you know, to have well over 20,000 in the ground is a fantastic achievement. Um, And look, it it just goes to show that all the time and effort and and patience that the ownership and the club have had with the women's team is, is, you know, coming to fruition. They're absolutely storming the third division and look, you know, on course to achieve back-to-back promotions. They're going to be in a final next month, which they, they've got a really, really big chance of winning. Um, So, yeah, one positive from a negative weekend.
0: Really inspirational to see the women doing really well to all the, the young lasses out there who've got a dream of playing football professionally. You know, they'll look at that and be inspired. But also, great to see so many local lasses as well living the dream because they are a lot of Geordies in that team and they'll be pinching themselves. The fact that they're not only playing for Newcastle United, but playing for Newcastle United, that, that is backed by proper investment, and now playing for Newcastle United, not only top of the league, but in a cup final.
1: Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, we've seen quite a lot of change at the women's side this team. And uh, this season, you know, a lot of incoming players from higher divisions in different regions. Um, but there is still that core of, of Geordie players in there who, as you say, are doing fantastically well. Um, and look... Hopefully, they can end the the
0: trophy hoodoo next month. Mm. A year ago, Daniel Castaneda first Manchester United in the League Cup, and it didn't work for the men's side. But just a final point on the women's side you know, it would have been very easy for Mariana Stavry when she bought the club to come in and and just reference the point about the women's side, reference the point that she's going to invest or she wants to see them. Well, it would have been a very easy PR stunt to do that, but it's not been a stunt. She is fully Mm -hmm. uh, invested in seeing this team grow and become the best it can possibly be. And that is absolutely brilliant to see as well.
1: Yeah, you know, Stavely, if you remember when she came in and made those outlandish comments about the Newcastle men's team and wanting to win Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues, which is all very well and good, but we thought was, you know, uber, uber ambitious. There were similar promises made. About the women's team, you know, already, you know, they were they were sitting in the fourth division and Amanda Stavely was talking about the WSL and getting them up four divisions. Um but anybody who's been at these games or anyone who's been, you know, behind the scenes at the training sessions knows that Amanda Stavely is absolutely in awe of the women's team and absolutely in awe of Becky Langley. They look like they're more sort of friends these days than they are actually colleagues. Um She's at every game, pretty much. You know, you see her going into the dressing room, giving team talks. She's on the pitch before and after a game, um, and it's just fantastic to see that, as you say, they're actually they weren't empty words, and they are really giving it a good go to to make the women's team equally as successful
0: as the men's. Yeah, she got a little bit emotional yesterday. Then Manastirli was in that shot that we, we usually see, and when both sides, the men and women side, when they win, they have the, the dressing room photograph, and Manastirli was. In that, at the front, like we say, fully invested in, in seeing the women's side um, being the best they can, and and fantastic to see them into the final. And good luck to them uh, next month. We will talk about more about that um, when the time comes around. Right now, from high to a low, <laughs> we've had a positive uh, start of the show. We're going to have to talk about the lows of Saturday night. You've been better off watching Saturday night takeaway <laughs> than watching Newcastle take on Arsenal. Thumped four-one at the Emirates. In a game, having that there were very few positives, it's fair to say, isn't it, that that was the worst first half of football we've seen in Denny
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, I, and I don't think, I actually thought it at the time on Saturday night and I thought, you know what, maybe I'll maybe I'll feel a little bit different when I've slept on it and I you know, wait 48 hours to do the pod but I feel exactly the same as, as I did on Saturday night and I've actually got some stats here written down just to reference how awful Newcastle were. We don't
0: need that, to be reminded. In
1: that first half. Um, when they went 2-0 down, 52% of the game had been played in Newcastle's final third. Um, in the first half in total, Arsenal had 12 shots to Newcastle's zero. Uh, Newcastle had one touch in Arsenal's box. Alexander Uzak had 10 touches. Uh, I suspect a couple of those were from kickoff as well. Uh, they only committed three first-half fouls, um, which... I know it sounds like a bit of a positive, but actually I think it goes to show just how toothless they were. No wonder Alan Shearer was uh, ranting and raving on Twitter during the first half. And interestingly, it was the first time in 10 years uh, since Newcastle played at Southampton in 2014 that they didn't register a shot on target in the first half in a Premier League game. Just absolutely, as I say, toothless. They looked like they didn't want to be there. No energy. This looked like the Newcastle team back in October and November who were playing three games a week and weren't training and looked leggy. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, yes, it, it looked like a performance under a previous manager. It did, and a, and a lot of people have
1: seen this. And I think if it was a performance under a previous manager, um, the stick that we would be seeing would be would be tenfold as to what we're seeing now, rightly or wrongly. Um, look, let, to add a bit of context, Arsenal were fantastic. They they were very good. You can see why they're really going to go close in the title race. But Newcastle United could not have made it any easier for them on Saturday night.
0: Well, I think that's probably uh, the main point, isn't it? We can discuss personnel, which we will do. We can talk about systems, which we're going to. But it's largely irrelevant if you don't match the want and desire Mm -hmm. of the team you're playing. And, And as you said, Arsenal are an elite side, and I think they will push Man City closest to the title. But that's even more reason not to just hand them the advantage because right from the first whistle... They had the intensity, the press in the organisation and the fight. Newcastle didn't. And, and yet again, it, it felt quite noticeable actually when the goals were flying in that there was very little reaction from the players. Hands on hips, sugar the shoulders, but there was no anger, no encouragement, no fight. And that really worries me. And that was you know, after the goals, but also, like I say, right from the word go, you knew who was going to win that game.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, from literally the first or second yeah. minute, didn't you? you? You knew that Arsenal were just going to um, completely dominate. And what what annoys me is the fact if you look at two of the previous three games against Arsenal, um the win against Arsenal back in November and the nil nil draw uh, in January of twenty twenty three. Firstly, the November win there was so much grit and passion. You know you had Bruno charging it. People I know he couldn't do that on Saturday because he faces that suspension. But you know you had them really going man for man and Arsenal were rattled and St James's Park obviously played a part. But Newcastle wanted it more than Arsenal that night. Then you go back to the last January where they set up pretty similar and they wanted to soak up a lot of pressure, but they were winning balls. They were defending compact and deep, but they were actually you know, suffocating Arsenal at times. There was absolutely none of that on on, on Saturday. It just looked like a training exercise for a lot of it for Arsenal. And it also looked like there was the only a team that actually wanted it, and it was Arsenal.
0: I suppose the question many people will be asking is 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 why? How? Does it, how, how didn't you cast an eye after a week of training... Get to that point where, like we say, literally from the first kick, they were just second best. Uh, I, I
1: think I think the problem runs deeper than just Saturday. I think if you look at the last five or six games, Newcastle don't look like they've got that... Energy. Energy. They don't look like they've got that that ruthless, nasty side about them anymore. They're, they're obviously shipping goals um, like nobody's business. I think it's 25 in the last eight league games, maybe. 12 in the last four um, the defence is all at sea I mean the defence it was an absolute horror show from a couple of them on, on Saturday night which we'll, I know we'll go on to um, but I think you know if you look at two months ago where this season was and it was it was looking like it was going to be an absolute car crash and then they have the little mini winter break and actually they, you know, they hadn't actually lost a game before Saturday since the Man City game before that break and you thought, okay, this is maybe going to be the turning point. Now you're looking at it and thinking, actually, that Luton and Bournemouth were really bad results, and the Arsenal game now was a is a really bad result, um, and it just adds it adds even more pressure on it tomorrow and, and even beyond that.
0: I mean, I got a message on it would have been Friday morning off of someone who listens to the podcast, and and they said, you know, far too negative. If someone was listening to this podcast for the first time, they wouldn't come back. But we we have to be honest, and we have to when when we're when we're discussing Newcastle United, we can't sit here and and just you know find the positives when there aren't any. And if you look on Saturday, the only real positives that you could probably point out was... There is a couple. Carrier's had a decent enough game that yeah. if he starts again on Tuesday against Blackburn, I'm not fearing him because I thought he made a, a few good saves. Okay. Joe Willick and Alexander, Isak back in the front. Willick, I mean... But mm-hmm. in terms of the way they set up and in terms of the way they played, that for me... Outweighs any positives.
1: I think we can add a few more positives. Though. Come let's on. Not, then. Let's not try to Come be too on, doom then. and gloom. I think Willick, I mean, Willick is, I mean, Isaac is obviously huge, but Willick was, I thought, fantastic when he came on. Really good at getting his goal. Full of energy, dynamic running. And, and I think the one thing that has been evident in the last three or four weeks is that this midfield three does not work together. They're too one paced, they're too similar. You need an enforcer in there, and you also, I think, need someone who's going to score goals, and that is Joe Willick in that midfield. Um, he was he was really really good when he came on. Isaac uh, getting through that game unscathed, big positive. Thought he looked good second half when he actually got some touches of the ball. Uh, Bruno avoiding another game of a yellow card. Is Didn't it, have is a good it, game though. Come on, let's we're talking about the positives here.
0: We are scraping the bowler. No, that but one. I, mean, I mean it is look, a positive. If, it quotes, but, so, um, but, if it's a positive, so I'm gonna name on. it. Co- you know, it isn't positive, but you can't. You don't want to be like sitting here, like and that, and that's the good thing that he did on Saturday. He invited yellow card. Do you want him to be sitting here and saying he, he he had this class assist or he scored yeah, these but, two goals. Yeah, but
1: we could be sat here talking about the fact that Bruno is now going to miss Wolves and Chelsea or the, or the next two league okay, games, or okay, not. Right, so okay, okay, on. we'll take that. Right, come on, we've been so doom right. so far. Um, uh, do I want to say this one? They were, they were better second half for, for 15, 20 minutes of the spell. I think they, whatever Howe them at halftime half-time, worked it up until that third goal, which comple- completely sucker-punched them. Um, and I mean, could you argue that it's a positive that Howe changed in at the back and brought Tina in?
0: Well, Peter says he had Dan Byrne assists as a positive.
1: Mm-hmm. Dan Burn assists. Dan Byrne with more assists now, I believe, in the last two seasons than Miggy Amaron More goal contributions this season than Miggy Armron uh, at the other end of the pitch. There, there was there was a few positives to take. It wasn't all negative. Um, but, but Willick, but Willick and Ease that with the two
0: big I And mean, we will get on onto, onto Willick in, in in a moment. But I think for me, the concern is, is that the one or two negatives keep coming up every single week. And this is the big issue because mm-hmm. Newcastle and I are on paper our favourites against Blackburn. They should be Blackburn at a championship side who... Have changed the manager. They've not, not seen winning. that manager bounce. It's, yeah. it's five. It's five games that will win. For, I think it's four draws and one defeat. Yeah. So they should win on paper. They've got the better quality, but Blackburn are a championship side with some decent enough players. And if Newcastle afford them the space and time and mm-hmm. don't dominate. Then they may get found out. And, and then you look at Wolves and Nettle going against it before. My, my concern is that we're just we're coming back every single week saying the gap between the midfield and defence, mm-hmm. that's when you're casting out of vulnerable. They're vulnerable on the counter. And again, the reaction to the goals conceded, it was the same against Luton, it was the same against Bournemouth. Where is Trippier going over at someone and just giving them a shake? Where mm-hmm. is you know someone doing more than just, oh, you know, they've conceded a goal? Because for me, that. That's really disappointing. It just it just spells out that they feel like there's no point.
1: Yeah, uh, it goes back to what we were saying a couple of minutes ago, doesn't it? I think they've lost that little bit of hunger that made them such a such a huge force last season earlier this season where you could tell they were really, really up for it. And I think it goes hand in hand, the fact that they're conceding so many goals. If they were keeping clean sheets galore like they were last season, it makes the job ten times easier to pick yourselves up again. But when you've shipped for it, uh, Bournemouth, you've conceded against Luton. Uh, sorry, for Luton, two at Bournemouth. Um, it, it's harder to g yourself up, and that's when you need the likes of Trippier and Sher to stand up. I think they were both um, poor Saturday. Botman uh, worst performance we've seen by him mm-hmm. by a, by a country mile, um, and it was no surprise that he ha- that his uh, form dominated that press conference this morning. There was five or six questions solely on Sven Botman, which we've never really heard before. Um, But just going back to the midfield point, what does does Howe do? Until until Saturday, he had no options. Mm. He's had to play that midfield three. He said on Friday in the press conference, I've got competition in all places of the team now, apart from the midfield. But that midfield, uh, as a three, individually I like them all, but as a three, they just don't work. The gaps are far too evident. Um, I I think what he'll do
0: on Tuesday, he'll take Lewis Miley out and he'll go with Sean Longstaff, Bruno... And Joe Willick. For me, Longstaff's the one that needs to drop out yeah, because I I'm think angry. Lewis Miley, look, he's looking tired, of course, you want to give him a bit of a rest, but if you're talking, four might be the wrong word, but who's looking better in the side? You know, Longstaff does not look better than Lewis Miley. I think Lewis Miley's much more effective. There was a lovely pass to Miggy uh, on Saturday. I think Miggy was offside and he wasted the chance, but for me, Longstaff just isn't with the races.
1: Longstaff long I not the races, sorry. Longstaff isn't at the races, and, and I think it's hard to actually pen down the last time Longstaff had a really. Good game. I mean, even that game that he scored two in it's at St James's Park was he didn't really do much else. Um, but he's going to start. He'll
0: start on Tuesday. You think? Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm confident he'll start because every time I was asked about Miley, he's talked about he needs a rest. He hasn't got the options. Well, now he's got Joe Willick Yeah. To come in, so I think I can only see one change uh, being made there. But we, we, it, on the whole, midfield issue. Okay, he hasn't got that defensive play out to come in and, and protect the, the back four. But is there an argument, and this was the big discussion before the game against Arsenal, the big discussion afterwards, and let us know what you think in the comments. Should Eddie Howard gone five at the back? Should he gone three at the back and then packed the midfield? Yeah. W- what do you think he should have done? For me, I, I wouldn't have been against him going at five at the back, dropping Byrne alongside Sharon Bottman, Trippier, Livermento, and just trying to shore up. You know, If you're going to get bypassed in midfield... Then at least you've got a bit more protection with five at the back.
1: Well, I actually thought I actually thought that was what he would do. There was loads of whispers towards the back end of last week that actually you know they'd been trying this and training and going five at the back. And I actually put a tweet out shortly before kickoff, putting two side uh, 11 side by side, and one of them was Ben Botman, share at the back, Trippier, yeah, Livermento on either uh, flanks as a wing back, the normal three midfield, Gordon and Isaac up top. I think you probably would have stood a lot better chance. We've actually seen that five at the back work in the very few instances that Eddie Howe's actually done it. I mean, we have seen it quite regularly when he's trying to shore up these games when they're seeing out a lead. But I think the Emirates away, given how free score and Arsenal have been, Porto aside, it was probably the perfect to But Porto to do played five at the back, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And, and actually, they, they really frustrated Arsenal on that night midweek. And also, that's another thing that we we haven't touched on, but... You know, this was an Arsenal team who had a really tricky fixture midweek, and Newcastle had, had the break. Um, Didn't seem that way. Did, did it. not seem that way at all. Um, so yeah, I think Saturday was was probably the game out of all to switch it up because I, I don't like saying that any game's a free hit, but if you wanted any game of the recent weeks to be a free hit, it would probably be Arsenal away from home. Um,
0: Tuesday night, he's not going to switch it to five. He'll stick with four. I think.
1: No, I think he'll stick. I think I think he'll stick with four. Um, I think he's got big decisions to make, though. We we know Martin Dubravka is going to be touch and go with that illness. Does I'd he? stick
0: with Carrius. I think he did. I think he did a good, decent enough job. If Martin Dubravka is not 100 percent fit, stick Carrius in that. You know, he made two or three great saves.
1: He was at fault for one or two, though, wasn't he? You think? He at, well, he was at fault for the fourth. I think. I think he should have kept that out. I know it took okay. a deflection. Um, he, look, he, did, he made some good saves. He kept, he kept the minute in the early stages. Um, I thought he did well considering it was. You know, pretty much three hundred and sixty-five days since he'd played competitively. Um, but that's one decision to make. If Tabravka's not fully fit, he, he then has to go. You know, do I stick with Livermento at left back? I think it'll be Dan Byrne. I think it will be Dan Burn. But it was um, the right
0: call. Let's get this this straight. Uh, it was the right call to leave Burn out against Arsenal.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was. And if I'm completely honest, I think it was the right call for Burn's sake. I think. Some of the pressure he must be under recently must have really taken its toll, and it was the right thing to do because Newcastle's back line hasn't been keeping clean sheets, and and the calls were getting too loud almost. For uh, Tino not to be brought back
0: and, in, and and to be fair, you know it didn't work entirely. There was especially oh, for one that, of the goals.
1: Tino, yeah, Tino defensively, I thought was really good. Yeah. Cool. And it's hard because look, he's up against one of the right, the best right midfielders in the, in the but league. But I
0: still felt more confident in him being there than I, I would have done if it had been Dan Byrne. Yeah, and I, I, I do know. But admittedly, yeah. Saka did get the better of mm-hmm. of, of uh, Tino Livermore, and that's why I do think he'll switch it. I think he'll go back to Dan Byrne at left back, and I think it'll be Joe Willock for Lewis Miley. I think they're the changes he'll make. And
1: then he keeps what the front three as they were. Yeah. Yeah, look, I th- I think another positive that we probably haven't touched on is is the fact that he does have real options now up front. I mean, you could argue that Harvey Barnes could start, Jacob Murphy could start. Yeah, impressive little around.
0: cameo, Barnes. A good little uh, one or two. Yeah,
1: uh, Murphy hasn't done too bad being back in the team. I find the made, positives. So. Yeah, there's exactly, loads of positives. there's loads of positives to talk about. Um, so yeah, but I think look tomorrow, j- just to talk about the game itself, he's got he's got to go strongest team. Because it's huge. It's it, massive. It's, it's season defining. It's pivotal. It's crucial. It's whatever. Uh, where do you want to throw it? It is absolutely huge because if they go out tomorrow, I think the reaction will be will be very very over the top. The
0: season uh, rests on it hinges on, a win. on the
1: FA Cup now, doesn't it? Completely, because and it does
0: have a feel of the the, the season under kind of Kenny Dalglish when they reached the final and Newcastle fell away in the league and after those two seasons of finishing second, and Newcastle season was just a bit meh in the Premier League, but they reached the final. And it, it feels like we're getting to that kind of tipping point where if Newcastle managed to go on this run to the final, then maybe finishing ninth or tenth, which is looking more likely than finishing sixth or seventh, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they get to the final. And then, of course, I mean, they'd have to win it to make it totally worthwhile. But it, it does have the feeling of that season. I mean, you were just uh, you were probably still in that mizarin.
1: Yeah, I was. So you don't sure, know that, but yeah.
0: those all that people in the comments will know exactly what I'm talking about. But it is it is a huge game.
1: It's a huge game and just done that I've thought of another positive. Oh, but yeah, we yeah. go. And look, this isn't a positive about Saturday, but I think it's just good to maybe be positive when everyone else has been negative because we both got stick last week for being negative on a podcast about Dan Ashworth. Um <laughs> but people are saying that the people are saying that the season could be over if they lose to Blackburn. I don't agree with that at all. They're ninth at the minute, thirty seven points. Wolves one place above them on thirty eight. Obviously, if they win on Saturday, they leapfrog them. Brighton on thirty nine. Manchester United in sixth on forty four. The season is not over if they lose to Blackburn. It, I it,
0: I agree. I agree to an extent. But first off, I mean, you just said it was season defining. So how can the see? I just does that sound like that sounds like a bit of a truck yes. reverse in there? Yeah. You, no,
1: no, it's season defining because because it it, it defines how well the season is going to go and if it's a success or not. But I don't think the season is over if they lose tomorrow and they crash out the cup because actually they've they've they still got a really good chance of qualifying for Europe. It would take a real reversal of form, but they've still got to play Wolves. They've still got to play Manchester United as well. Um, who crucially I think is the only. Away game that they've got in the top ten, so they've played the big boys now. So I don't, I don't agree with some people who were, were maybe saying it because of it was so quick after the game, saying, you know, the season's over. It's not the Europa Conference League would be a fantastic achievement this year, given the injuries, given the the packed schedule they had. Um, but let let's not make no bones about it. If they crash out the Carabao Cup to Chelsea in those circumstances, they throw away Europe against AC Milan and then they lose to Blackburn. All the whilst so they're being ninth, then you know the reaction is going to be bad. But the season's not over.
0: I agree that it's not over when you look at the league table and yeah. how close they are to, to getting into to Europe. But I just worry about the, the, the mental effects of going out of yeah. the cup, cup, cup competition because you want that momentum. You want to know there's a real chance of winning something. And I think, it oh, sounds daft. I mean, beating Blackburn isn't just all about the FA Cup. It's about... You know what it does for their their, their their league form really as well because it will boost them going out you then got a four or five days of turnaround against a, a Wolves side in really good form you know that comes up a lot quicker than you'd wanted to if you go out against Blackburn. And then the season might unravel. Like you say, the league table still looks really positive considering everything they've had to put up with. And Eddie Howe did call for a bit of perspective um, when you look at the results because of all the injuries they've had. And
1: also, if you zoom out even further, I think because last season was so good and you know, completely, they completely overachieved last season, it was always going to make this season tougher because you know, Newcastle last season didn't have a top-four squad. And you could argue that the progression was always going to be let's try and finish between tenth and seventh, which they could quite easily still do this season. But it's going to be seen as a negative, isn't it? So, look, don't get me wrong. The Blackburn game is huge, um, and it and it goes back to remember over the new year when they lost to Liverpool and Sunderland was coming up, and it was that it was hanging on that Sunderland game, wasn't it? And I think we're at a similar stage now, where it's now hanging on the cup game once again.
0: And we'll talk a little bit more about the Blackburn game in a moment. I'm just going to dive into the comments. Plenty of guys watching live. So thank you very much for getting in touch. We've got John here saying, this sounds nuts, but what do you think? Tino and Hall at fullback. Trippier deep centre midfield with Bruno slightly further forward. Gordon on the right. Willick or Barnes on the left. Mm -hmm. Provides a bit of balance. Would you take that?
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I, and who was that? Who? Did That's that John with? there. John, I, I don't think that actually sounds bad at all. You know what it is? It's interesting because Kew and Trippier actually played uh, a little bit in centre midfield in the summer during the during the pre-season games. I remember the first, the first half at Gateshead, especially he was playing in that role. Eddie Howe's alluded to the fact that he can't play there, and. The last couple of weeks when we've had this conversation about they need a deep line midfielder and people saying, Oh well, could you drop share there? I even saw people saying you could drop the cells there. There's no mention of Keane Trippier, but I actually don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. And it would allow Livermento in his natural position as well.
0: There we go. John says, I think to accommodate the gap between the defence and midfield, we could play four, two, three, one. I would play Trippi Alecelles, Bernotino, Miley, Bruno, Murphy, willick Barnes and Isaac rest Gordon Longstaff Miggy and it gives you options off the bench. I mean, what would your reaction be out if that was the, the team sheet tomorrow night?
1: Um, I think they've got to go. They've got to go as close to full strength as they can, surely. But yeah,
0: look as it
1: say it reaffirms that they do have options.
0: Certainly does. Uh, Gary says, I would have had Burn on anyway. I think Arsenal have scored more goals from set pieces than any other team. Mm-hmm. We lacked the heightened physicality of Burn. I would have played five at the back. It seems five at the back is definitely the consensus of, of people going forward. Uh, through the Garden Gate says, get Matt Ritchie in midfield over Sean Longstaff.
1: Um, not sure about that. Is he, is he riding on the coattails of that goal against Bournemouth? Um, I'm not sure about that one from the start. And plenty
0: of praise as well um, from people in the comments for Newcastle Women's, who've, of course, reached the League Cup final. Now, let's go on to Botman. then. We've, we've talked through some positives and we found more positives than maybe we, we thought we could, but we're going to have to just... There'll be more to come before we're gonna, we Yeah, end. we're going to have to make try. a little bit of reverse and head back to Botman. You briefly mentioned him earlier in the show. Look, he's going to be a very good defender. He is a very good defender. Many people say he's going to be the best defender since Jonathan Woodgate in black and white and last season we saw glimpses uh, to why that comparison is is being made but he was very poor against Arsenal, Mm -hmm. scores an own goal couldn't really do anything uh, about that really but the second goal, he's just asleep allows Martinelli to go past him, he puts it in habit the third goal, gives the ball away Newcastle do have enough time to recover but they they, they don't he looks like he's lost a yard of pace, Mm -hmm. has he been rushed back to as soon as you think, anyhow I was asked plenty about him, as you said, and he did reference the fact that he's he's still kind of getting back to, to the levels we know he can be. Um, but w- what's the reasoning behind uh, his his fall from form? I,
1: d- I don't think you could say he's been rushed back because we're, we're 12 games into Botman's return now. You know, It's not as if he, he sort of um, just came back in the team. But, look, I think we're seeing the after-effects of playing through an ACL injury that wasn't fully diagnosed when he first picked it up. Um, as I've just said, you know, there's been no rotation since he came back in the team. He came off the bench at Fulham um, on the 16th of December and he's featured in all 12 games since then. Um, Eddie Howard, as I said, was asked a lot about it today and by the fourth question I had to sort of come out and say, look, I don't think the focus should be on Botman, it, was, it shouldn't be on individuals. We were all as a team, myself included, underperforming on Saturday. But it, it was telling for me that this is the first time really we've started to see Botman under a little bit of pressure. For the first time since he signed, we've been so used to him, you know, playing well, playing really well, that all of a sudden when you have the drop-off, um, it's more noticeable. But I don't think Saturday was an isolated uh, incident. I think we've seen the last four or five games, he's maybe been a little bit out of form. And I think it begs the question, and somebody's even put it in the comments in the last couple of minutes, you know, do you take him out the firing line for a couple of games? Bring the cells back in. Who did fantastically well alongside share? Um, I can see the reasoning, but I just
0: don't think anyhow will. No, I think I, tomorrow you will see Fabian share and Sven Botman at centre back.
1: Yeah, I agree, and also I think I mean just to think about poor Jamal cells here. He does absolutely fantastic when he comes in the team against all odds, against what everyone's saying about him. I and can't then,
0: say that out loud. There's a lot of people who don't like Jamal cells for whatever reason, but
1: you know, then he d- he's completely out of the team. And I think if it was a different character and not Jamal LaSalle's, who's all for the team and not for himself, um, bearing in mind he had opportunities to leave the club in both January and the summer, I think a different character would be knocking on Lady House door saying, why am I not getting in this team who's absolutely leaking goals? Um, but as I say, I don't think LaSalle's will be doing that at all. Um, but it, I think it's 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 telling that, I mean, we've had a couple of people say it in the comments already, this, this uh, podcast, we've uh, had it a lot over the weekend after the game, people are outright saying on, on social media is it time to bring Lascelles back in for a game or two it's the first time we've ever seen that ever, a fit Sven Botman playing week in week out and people are saying is it time to bring him out of the team Well there
0: was a question wasn't it when Botman was finally fit and available to, to be picked whether you would take Lascelles out because he was in such good form yeah. and like I say I'm a big fan I'd be giving him a, a new deal and keeping him at the club for at least the next uh, season, uh, at the very least, because I think he offers a real good alternative to to what Newcastle have at the moment. Way Ironman says, I think Jamal deserves a recall and and to give Bottman a rest. And he also says, do you think Newcastle will target a centre-half with pace in the summer, as we are badly lacking pace in our defence? And I guess the pace point is probably the key one, because Bottman... Yes, it's having a bad time of it, but a bit like the defence for Burn, it's not just one player. The mm. whole back four is just not added. Trippier is not the standard that we've come to expect. Fabian share is lacking something at the moment. He's getting no younger as well. Yeah, I think, I think look, the point is yeah, it's a bit of a positive, I guess, that you know they will always go through these bad ups and downs when a form of have Nick Pope. It's just because they're conceding so many goals that it's looking, well, it's not looking, it is a lot worse than, than it maybe um could be if you know if it was just one or two players out of form. But on the question about the summer, they've got to go after a centre-back, haven't they?
1: I think they've got to go after a centre-back and I agree with the comment that it needs to be a pacy centre-back because you know, I don't want this to seem like we're just completely hating on the back four. We're not individually. They are all fantastic collectively last season and at parts of the season they've been brilliant. But there's no denying that that back four is not pacy at all. I mean, Trippier yeah, has lost a yard of pace over the last couple of years. Share as well. Byrne, you know, you can argue he's never really had that pace in his game, and Botman certainly looks like he's lost a yard of it. And I, I would even argue that Botman was never the the quickest centre back to start with. Um, if they're going to go out and get a young centre back, which we assume they will do in the summer, to play sort of backup or the rival Fabian Share and be maybe the long term heir to playing alongside Botman, I think you've got to you know look at someone with that turn of pace.
0: Yeah, most certainly so that will not be uh, cheap at all. And there's plenty of other positions as well in the summer where Newcastle United certainly need to target. Um, but again, I suppose the whole issue about the defence, having is going back to the system. Because at the moment, without the physicality in the middle of Joe Linton, that system's just not working for Newcastle United. And it's exposing that lack of pace, isn't it, at the back?
1: Absolutely. And I think if you're Joe Linton's agent, wherever you are in the world, you're sat there with the cigars out knowing... That a very very hefty uh, contract demand is probably going to be met in the near future because I think it just reaffirms how crucial he's been not just on Saturday but the last couple of games he's been such a huge miss. Um, I mean we already knew that before, didn't we? But I think it reaffirms. And how was even asked the question along those lines today? You know how important has his or how, you know how has his absence been in recent weeks?
0: He was, he was asked about his future as well and he said that has always been in my mind as an absolute priority, i.e. getting a, a contract signed for Julian and to try and get him to stay at the club long term, I see that as hugely important. So he's gone on record saying that, that's how publicly speaking about it, doesn't often do that. Uh, what do you read into that, that he's he's confident of something getting done or is this kind of a, a not to the owner saying, look, if we've got to get one thing done before the summer, it's keeping this man?
1: I think it's a bit of both because I think, one, just to look at Joe situation at the minute, he's it, not a player who's asking to, to leave the club. He's basically saying, I want my standing at this football club to be you know, represented by my wages. He's watched his best mate, Bruno, get a very, very hefty pay rise. Sandro Tonali has came in alongside him and, and is now one of the top earners and he wants to be along that. Um, he's spoken publicly on the record as recently as December saying, He's Happy at the club, he loves the club. Um, but also, I think it is a nod to the owners who will also be fully aware of how important he is to say, you know, we need to tie this man down to a new deal in, in pronto.
0: I fingers crossed, it can get sorted sooner rather than later. Um, there were, as we said, some positives. We've mentioned Izaka and Willick. Let's talk first about the Joe Willick goal because it was a tremendous goal from Joe Willick. Dan Byrne with the assist, it was just a really good. Team goal, a fantastic header as well. And kind of within, I don't know how long he actually had on the pitch, but what was it, 10, 15 minutes? Joe Willet kind of showed more in that area of the pitch than, than probably the three that have been playing uh, in recent weeks. So he got the goal, he had the energy about him. That's what he has to be missing in that area.
1: Yeah, very, really, really good cameo uh, from him. I think it was 27 minutes in total, you know, good run out for him. Um, and as you say, I mean, the last couple of months we've seen a lot from Sean Longstaff of running at the box late and scoring goals. Lewis Miley added that to his game around Christmas time, but the last couple of weeks it's been non existent. As we say, the, the midfield in general has looked one pace. Um, there was a moment on Saturday when Newcastle actually finally had the ball in Arsenal's box and Isaac had to sort of double back on himself and there's a brilliant screenshot on social media of Isaac alone in the box with about eight Arsenal men surrounding him and no Newcastle help. Um, Willick is going to you know, drastically improve that, as we've said earlier. He's the the, the
0: goal-scoring midfielder of that bunch who are now fit. Um, but
1: oh. if he's
0: going to be the man to go for, and we know he's box to box, and he's got that energy bound, we saw that against Arsenal, will that kind of just reaffirm the issues defensively because you're going to have someone who is primarily in attacking midfield. Not not that he's playing in that role, but his mind's going to be, right, like, I'm going forward. And that's kind of the issue at the moment is that what you've actually got at the moment is Bruno, Miley and Longstaff all going forward. I guess the difference in the hope is is that when Joe Willick goes forward, he's going to put the ball in the back of the net and Newcastle are going to get hit on the counter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm not saying that Joe Willick's reintroduction of the team is suddenly going to solve their defensive problems. But I think that midfield in the last 18 months to two years has looked a lot more solid when it's had Joe Willock in it, whether he's been playing on the left of the three, on the left with Joel Linton tucked in behind him. Um, and also, crucially, it's just going to give a rest to some of these players, whether it be Longstaff, whether it be Miley. Should Bruno get that th- uh, that 10th yellow card, then it's you know a good option to have there. Um, Elliot Arnton as well on his way back which is another my
0: target too
1: which is look another look positive unbelievable scenes positives I'm after. excited to
0: see Joe Willick back though. I really am and I think he'll start on Tuesday against Blackburn and it's just it's just nice to see players coming back but also really important that they are making an impact as soon as possible and he made that on Saturday
1: and the work that he's put in behind the scenes the last three months is has been remarkable I mean he's been um training relentlessly at Benton. I mean, you know, there was a time where players were jetting off for the holidays and, you know, how kept a few of them back. Willick be more obviously have such a um you know, bad setback considering he came back, played three games, obviously scored in his return against Manchester United and then a couple of weeks later he's back on the sidelines again. He's missed so much of the season, it's been really hard for him personally and yeah, it just it, he reminded on Saturdays to just how much he, he was, has been missed and how important he can be between now and May.
0: I think the man back was Alexander Izak, he had probably one shot, lovely touch and yeah. turn and then he, he popped it over at the top of the bar. He was very isolated, he cut a very lonely figure but just to have him back, he's come through the game unscathed. He'll start hopefully. Uh, you would think anyway against Blackburn on Tuesday, and it's just good to have that kind of instinctive out and out striker to hopefully put the ball in the back of the net.
1: Yeah, I was a little bit torn by by the decision to take Isaac off on Saturday because it happened. Literally, I mean, Isaac came off, and I, it It sounds like he wasn't actually originally meant to come off. He was going to bring Gordon off um, and move Isaac. Um, to the left. To the left. And he he didn't. He changed his mind. And Isaac comes off, and Newcastle make these changes just as they're starting to actually find a little bit of rhythm. It's at 2 0. Isaac's had a, a good effort. Gordon's had a good effort. They're starting to really put the pressure on. And then he brings Isaac off, which I understand, and that's why I'm torn. You know, you don't want to get too many minutes into him, especially considering how long he's been out for this season. Um, and then obviously, a couple of minutes later, Arsenal go up the other end and score. So I was a little bit torn to see him come off. Um, but look they they just need to keep him fit now keep him fit wrap him in cotton wool um, but yeah I mean look he's crucial to the way they play I love watching him out on the left he's he's the best option by far in the middle um, you just need to cross your fingers and your toes that he, he manages to get through the next couple of months unscathed and then I mean look I would not be surprised to see him go under the ninth in the summer for this groin injury while they've got a bit of time to get him back um, because that's three times now this season that he's struggled with it I think if it goes again, then they, d- they just need to bite the bullet with it.
0: Mm. And the other one I was impressed with, with as I've mentioned, is, is Harvey Barnes. It was a, a really good run that he, he made. It would have been for the goal, actually, because then he feeds to Gordon, doesn't he? And Gordon feeds it back to Barnes. But he, you can just see he's got a bit of pace about him, and he does look kind of a level above quite a lot of players, actually. and I think having him as an option, um, who's someone who can fire on goal, someone who can feed the, 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 the forward players, i.e. Isaac or Wilson. It's a, it's a tremendous option to have and hopefully he can you know, continue to get a run of games, continue to get some minutes under his belt and we're going to see the very best of him as soon as possible. I
1: think I think he really needs a run of games because he, he came obviously back into the team and scored um, against Luton with you know pretty much one of his first touches. But I think since then he's looked like a player who maybe needs a little bit of time to get up to speed with his new teammates to get those minutes into his legs. Um, but one thing that he's offered time and time again across his career is goals and assists and that's what... United could really do with now.
0: Uh, Where man says surely Barnes should be starting ahead of Almiron?
1: Mm, Yeah, I mean, it's tricky because Barnes is, I mean, people could see he can play on the right, but Howe's never tried it. He was very, very sparingly used there at Leicester, so it would mean Gordon on the right. Is he as good on the right as he's on the left? Probably not, so. I don't know, it's an option that we have and I think we, we'll certainly see it off the bench. I don't know whether we'll see it from the start.
0: Uh, we are a long way from having a squad capable of top four every season, says Gary. I think not having two decent players for every position has hammered us severely with the injuries. We're not there yet. you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, look, it, it, people might not like hearing it, but I think Arsenal you know, are, are years ahead of Newcastle in terms of the squad they've managed to build and the money they've actually had to spend, whereas Newcastle will need... Just a little bit longer until they're regularly, you know, matching the likes of Arsenal and City and Liverpool.
0: And through the garden gate, as a number one priority in the summer must be a keeper. Either number one with Pope becoming backup, or backup that players like Pope. I him being out of the team has affected it. It's a lot of pressure on one player.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know if it's priority number one. I mean, I feel like all we do in this podcast is talk about where the transfer priority is. But um, look, I think we're, we're desperately missing Nick Pope. At the back, I think it's just ridiculous how much of a difference it makes to the back four when he's behind them, um, sort of controlling, you know, and seeing what they can't see. Um, I certainly certainly think it's a question though for future windows as to whether they go for an upgrade. I think one thing we saw on Saturday is that Newcastle really struggled playing out from the back, and I think with Pope not being too good with his feet, I wouldn't be surprised if they
0: go out and say there were so many mistakes on Saturday from the back. So many.
1: Mis- I mean. Sean Longstaff, like the one thing he did do really well was deny that goal when Share knocked the ball. Yeah, back. Yeah, but the again, the reaction
0: it. straight after that. It's like Sean. To be fair, Sean Longstaff, he does have a bit of a moan, but I, 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 he's, I don't know, who he's moaning too. No one's listening to him. Like Share's just kind of uh, to say, like you, you, you want a reaction, then let's, you want a reaction. Turn, let's the not turn that
1: another positive that we found. No, like it's not. Negative, but it,
0: but, but I, I, do, do you not worry about that, though, that? That the reaction's just not there for any of the goals.
1: Yeah, look, it, it's worrying, but it goes back to what we've said a couple of times already in this episode, and I think the bite and the hunger from the whole team, not just the back four, is, is gone. And I think Stringer run a form together, get the wins going again, get the confidence back up, and you'll see that again. Um,
0: Fingers crossed. So you were going to say something about yeah, yeah, no, I, look, I, I just think,
1: yeah, I think... <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's a priority for me. I think it's probably down the list. I think Nick, I'm really excited for Nick Pope to come back, but I think long-term... I mean, Debravka is getting no younger at all. Carius isn't isn't the, the future, and Nick Pope is you know even now approaching the business end of his career. Um, it raises the question: Do Newcastle in the next two three windows need to go out and sign a, a really really high level good from playing out the back goalkeeper?
0: won't be cheap at all. John says I don't think the players are lacking fight or commitment. It's just at the moment we're disjointed and unbalanced, and the players can't thrive under these circumstances. It's an organisation thing. Do you agree with that? And if you do, then who does it fall upon to get them organised?
1: Well, I mean, all of them, really. I mean, how the coach and staff trip, yeah, chair. I think I think they're missing Pope at the back, as I said, for that leadership. But clearly, the back four themselves who are all leaders in their own right in that dressing room aren't themselves. Um, so yeah, I think it's a collective.
0: We've got Graham watching from holiday in South Africa. I hope you're having a lovely time, Graham. Says he watched the game on Saturday and have to put it down as a bad day at the office. There's a lot of bad days at the office recently. Um, do you just look at it and just say, well, "Look, Arsenal, our elite side, Newcastle are struggling with injuries. No. Players they are getting back, they're not fully fit, they're not match fit. It's just one of those things." Or do you have to look a little bit deeper and say, "Well, actually, look." that's not working, this isn't working and it needs to be sorted out.
1: If Newcastle had went to the Emirates on Saturday and actually put up a fight and had more than you know, one touch in Arsenal's box in the first half and actually given them a real good go before they were 4-0 down, you could say, OK, well, look, you need to put it down to the fact that Arsenal are just on this run of form and they're better and they were stronger and whatever. But we couldn't have just sat here and said that because it wasn't true. Newcastle were really, really poor in their own right. Um but I do think, for for context, you do need to remember who they were playing. But I mean, they just they didn't lay a glove on them, did they? And
0: Leon says, "Why is the bike on? They do look scared to tackle, and they did look uh, unable to In get the field, a, a ball definitely. effort on the ball." Um, John says, "I reckon this might be a hottest transfer window to date, and we've done okay so far." And Then Truel says, "I just pray we don't go for Billing or Solon-K. I tell you what, right now,
1: you take anyone. <laughs> I take
0: anyone. <laughs> I, I would take them to for for, for the right price. Like I, I, they've been linked before. We, we've spoken about this in the last few weeks, but I don't understand the hatred towards these links. Mm. I mean, Solon he hasn't done it on, on, a, on a um a permanent basis where he's, he's getting 15, 20 goals a season in the Premier League. So maybe you want him to go one more season before he does. But then, if he hits that 20 goals next season, the price rockets up. So, you know, there you go. And they're already asking 40, 50 million from Philip Billing and the rest. Philip Billing, I think just, it's, it's, it's not always about getting someone who's better than the person there at the moment. It's about getting someone on that level and building a squad so that if that person is injured, okay, you've got someone to fill in. And like Philip Billing might cost you 15 million pounds. Decent pro, experience in the Premier League, knows Eddie Howe. I think he's a good player, and I think for the right price, he would be a very good squad player, which is what it's about as well. It's about making sure that you have, as Rafa Benitez used to say, they're kind of the purple players, you, see, you know, two in each, each position at the very least to make sure that you can cope for lack of form, suspensions and injuries. And we all know this season, the squad depth hasn't been there, and Billin might not set the world alight, but he would certainly add to it.
1: Yeah, I personally like both players, um, myself, I've just got two slight issues with both signings and I think Philip Billing would be a very good signing um, to bulk up the squad for probably quite cheap, you know, if you can get him for 15-20 million. One thing I will say is that he, he's probably played his best football in a number 10 role and, you know, we had this whole rigmarole of should they go out and sign James Madison when he doesn't play in that position. It might be a similar case in that. Solanke, Anybody who's listened to this podcast in the last two months, when they were linked with them, knows that I really like him. I, d- I don't understand the hate towards him, but I think for what Bournemouth are going to be charging because of how crucial he is to them, it's the money's better spent elsewhere. Because I think you're probably in dreamland thinking that you'll get him for fifty. I think Bournemouth will hold out for for a lot more, and I think the money could be could be spent elsewhere. But I like I like both players. I really do.
0: But let's say they hold out for sixty million pounds. You then look around you and you say, well, that striker there is going to cost you £60, £70 million. Pounds. But there's no guarantee that they can transfer their form from, say, Sarri or the Bundesliga into the Premier League. We have seen players who set the world alight in these leagues mm. come to the Premier League. I mean, we talk, remember the Middlesbrough dude? Alves, he came from Holland and he yeah. scored something like 60 goals in 80 games. He was unbelievable and he... Middlesbrough signing for a club record I think you end up scoring two or three of goals of all the hang on sorry of all the I can give of, you another one Jong. I mean there's loads of all the references
1: you've gone for Alfonso Alves at Borat in about 2008 that's so niche but I rate it but it's, it's I good. do get the you point get, get, the, yeah, point. get who, the point who, who, who would you but pick? I just oh, um, Dumbia here's another yeah, one uh, Dumbia yeah um, brilliant on FIFA who would I pick that's a really good question um,
0: the point is in, there's loads of examples where they, they look so good in other yeah. leagues and, and transferred yeah, and maybe Newcastle's way of thinking is thinking well okay look he's hit we know he can score in the Premier League you know, is it? And they'll look close at him, and they'll they'll be thinking, is it a one season hit, one season wonder, or can I do it on a more prolific basis? But can I can I season? just
1: flip that? I get the point, and it's a risk because he's not Premier League proven. But can I just flip that and say, Sven Botman, Bruno yeah. Camaras, Alexander Rizak. Oh, it's always so a gamble. So it gal, goes isn't both it? it goes both ways, doesn't yeah.
0: it? But I think I think for a goal scoring is the hardest job of them all, isn't it? If Bournemouth
1: want sixty million, then. Uh, just don't know. I think the money is better spent, I swear. And I don't like saying that because I, I really, I don't want people to think that I don't like Domus Slank. Yeah, I do, but I think I don't think this is a flash in the pan. I think he looks like a real proven Premier League scorer now, but
0: um, Truel yeah. says it's not here. it's the it's the stats. I I, I, I get that, I get that. man says he's been in a bad Bournemouth team in terms uh, in the past and has improved with the forward thinking managers. So maybe anyhow True. can Take them to uh, another level. One um, to watch in the summer. Um, prediction for tomorrow night?
1: Uh, I think they'll, they'll bounce. Look, we're going to find even more positives here because I think they're going to bounce back with a Bond and 3-1 win.
0: It's live on the BBC, isn't it? And, of course, through our live blog. So I wonder if Shiva's going to be in the the gantry.
1: Ranting and raving like you was on uh, Saturday. The good night. old
0: Alan Shiva Derby there, isn't it? Mm. And we'll have a very special view from the opposition going live... Tonight, only got Newcastle United. Um, legend is he a legend? Well, you know, he was held in a very high regard. He's certainly a Blackburn legend in Kevin Gallagher. Uh, so watch out for that one this evening. Um, I think Newcastle United will, will win tonight, uh, tomorrow night. I think they'll get through to the quarterfinals. Yeah, I think it'll be a, t- a tough run, but I think they will get through. Mm-hmm. Um, ready for a bit of trivia, mm-hmm. right? So, Newcastle United beat Blackburn 2 1 in the fifth round of the FA Cup in 2000 at Ewood Park. They actually also, if my memory serves me correctly, beat them in the fifth round replay the year before as well. Mm -hmm. I think actually the home tie was my first ever game at St James Park. Remember in the porn rain, horrendous nil-nil draw. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, again, if my mind serves me correctly, Someone was sent off accidentally and he went down the tunnel. And the referee had to call him back because he'd given <laughs> him the wrong card in the poor <laughs> rain. He couldn't see the colours. Um, but there you go. But yes, this is all about the fifth round in the year 2000 at Ewood Park. Two goals from Shearer. He was getting a bit of stick upon his return to Ewood Park and he surely shut them up with that brace. But can you name the squad? Okay. 2000. So 2000. So do you, would you want to do you wanna just shout some names out? You're gonna go for position?
1: Uh, I'll I'll shout some names out. I'll I'll give it a go. We'll go share given and goal. Nope, he's on the bench. Good start. Uh, Steve Harper.
0: Steve Harper number one.
1: Getting his getting his cup games in there. Uh, Stevie? Uh, right back, we will go for. Actually no, we won't go right back. We'll go centre back. Uh, we'll go Um Bramble. Bramble? Oh well, he's probably, 2000... about probably five. No, that... Put me daft. Uh, oh, too
0: early for Woodgate. Titus Brown was a sh- terrible shout. Um, um, he's a man who scored a fantastic goal in the Derby. Yeah,
1: uh, Derby's ass. Yeah. Um, we'll, go, we'll go left, but we'll go Bernard. Nope. Too early for Bernard
0: again. Too early uh. for Bernard. Just he's another there, man just who scored a, a goal in the Derby, actually, this fella. On loan. it. He was at Newcastle on, on it, in the and scored. score the Derby. Oh, going 4-4-2 here? Yeah.
1: Okay, I'll go uh, Solano right mid. Nope.
0: Speed in the middle. Yep, Gary Speed in the middle.
1: Was that too early for Dyer in the middle? No,
0: Dyer's Dyer? not in the middle, though. He's out on the uh, right. Okay, Dyer on the right. Um, I've just mentioned this fellow, actually, Funny enough. He was on the left. Galga. Yep.
1: <laughs> you mentioned that tonight. Um, so we need another centre midfielder, 2000. We'll go for... You
0: threw some shade on this fella last week on your TikTok.
1: Uh, Rob Lee. Didn't throw shade on him at all that was you that pick
0: you and by or Rob we're Lee them,
1: we're talking favourite Newcastle players um, criminal. Let, me know the, let me know in the comments if your favourite Newcastle player is Rob Lee or you Kabay. Um,
0: it's not even going to be a competition that
1: um, right two up front we'll go Shearach since he scored a brace yep. then we'll go
0: for this is a partnership I wish I'd seen more of
1: John Dahl Thomason no. Uh, um, no I think he was on his way by then I don't know uh, mm, go on Lawalawah
0: Nah, who? Duncan Ferguson. Oh, okay, Duncan Ferguson, and then so that leaves you with three to get. Or well, that gives yeah three. Well, there's starting eleven, three at the back, and then we'll go into we'll go into this into the subs in a second. So you've got a man at right back who, when he signed for Newcastle, was the most expensive British defender at the time. Oh, I don't know. Signed in 1995 by Kevin Keegan. <sighs> Curtains.
1: Uh, oh, um, Barton.
0: Warren Barton in the middle, and an Italian. Oh, uh, Pistoni. That's the one. And the left back, come on, he scored. He was on loan. He was on loan. He scored in the derby. should I just. No? Yeah, give me a. Helder. Helder. And then the subs, we've got a French fullback. Uh, Domi. Domi. He actually came off the bench and I think he assisted one of the goals. Then you've got a man who assisted Alan Shearer in the semi final of that. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he passed it against Spurs. Oh, I know the goalie.
1: Oh, it's a lovely goal. That is that your favourite Shearer goal, or have I just made that? It's it's the second. Yeah, I can't I can't remember who it's, it's more sort of of my
0: favourite commentary because I think uh, Clive Tills yeah, sums yeah. it up perfectly. That's how he dreamt it last night. Uh, Silvio marriage. Then we've got a defender who was very versatile, Northern Irish international.
1: Um, um peacock, no.
0: <laughs> Aaron news. Oh, news! Uh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I was no, thinking more than Your the shop. Hey, goodness, <laughs> yeah hey, I think Darren Peacock might have actually playing for Blackburn at that point <laughs> potentially. Um, and if anyone gets this right, I'll be very surprised. Uh, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna let you guess because you'll just embarrass yourself by saying George Robledo or something. Oh, um, uh, go on.
1: Give me the, give me the clue.
0: Well, I haven't got a clue. I mean, that's it. He's, he's. It begins with F. I don't oh, know where okay. I, I think he's either Brazilian or Portuguese I don't know Fumaka Fumaka I'm not even sure how many games he <gl> played but there yeah. you go the team the squad that beat Blackburn in the fifth round at Ewood Park in the year 2000 as Newcastle um, headed back to Wembley, didn't he yeah and they got beat I Bar... know oh, they wouldn't have headed to Wembley. they would have headed to the semi-final against Chelsea the goal that che- I was talking about why Shira came the year before didn't it yeah, yeah. L- old been... because Rob Lee scored in the semi against Chelsea and Poiette crushed our dreams unfortunately um, but the kind of free has got a few mega there um, so well done with that Um thank you very much for tuning in a pleasure as always head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle cast night news including everything that Eddie Howe had to say ahead of the trip to Ewood Park and our live blog will be covering the game against Blackburn in the FA Cup be underway tomorrow afternoon and for myself now we'll see you guys very soon